the Trawler Talk, the podcast for trawler nuts and long-range cruising enthusiasts. I'm your host, Andrew Parkinson. Hey, Trawler Nation. Andrew Parkinson here. I'm the editor-in-chief of PassageMaker Magazine and PassageMaker.com. And today we're talking about brokerage and how you can be more savvy when it comes to basic trawler transactions. In just the last decade, we've been witness to a variable brokerage market fluctuating between buyers and sellers. Lately, many brokerage experts say the market for trawlers and long-range cruising boats is shifting once again. So how can you, as a potential buyer or seller, make sense of it all? Well, in this episode of Trawler Talk, we're going to try our best to sort it all out for you. And at the very least, we're going to reveal some expert advice to help give you an advantage in any trawler transaction. Today, we're joined by two experts in the field, Kevin Altoff of Burr Yacht Sales and Jeff Merrill of JMYS. I want to begin today's episode with a letter from a reader up in Boston. He sold his Nordic Tug two months after it went on the market. According to the seller, it was priced right and in good condition. He says there are some great boats still in the market, albeit higher priced, but with a lot more enticing features than his Nordy had. At the end of the day, does it really all come down to price? I think price is probably the most important aspect of any boat. You have to have a boat. He mentioned his was ship shape. If you want to see a nice clean boat, it's got to have the equipment that you want for how you want to use it. But you could have the boat perfectly clean, have all kinds of details and have it overpriced and it's just going to sit there. So it comes down to price. You need to be able to understand through your broker what other boats have sold for similar and try to be fair. No one wants to win or lose on a brokerage deal. You want to have to be a fair transaction, but it comes down to the price is the most important number. So when it comes time to list your boat, I know a lot of us tend to look at what other comparable boats are listed for. Is that what we should be looking at? Or is it really more about what comparable boats are selling for? Kevin, you want to take this one? I think that the, I think every listing comes about in a different way, but a lot of times it's people are saying, okay, we've had a great time with this boat. We're looking for the bigger boat. We're looking to go to a newer boat. Usually that conversation, at least with Flemings, comes in with, they want to make changes. They come in and they start, they've got this wish list. They want to do, uh, you know, new interior, new dinghy, new davit, new upgraded and pretty soon we'll start taking that list and it's a lot easier sometimes to move them into a newer boat that has so many more things they hadn't thought about. And so, you know, we'll have listings that come about for different reasons. And the boats that are on the market the longest are usually the listings that come about where they say, boy, if I could get this number, I'd probably sell. And it's, it really starts out in like as a, almost a soft listing. Or a reluctant seller. A, a reluctant right. seller yeah, listing, yeah. The market. But yeah, the, how do you establish the price for the boat? Everybody's looking on the internet. I know they look in Passage Maker Magazine, they look in other publications, but they're going online, buy anything, you Google it or Bing it, and you, you find out what's available. And if you're gonna list your boat for sale and you're gonna be the highest one of that model boat, you really have to have a story to defend that. So you have to be in range. You, if you're the lowest boat, people, same thing. They're going to wonder what's wrong with this, what's it going to take to make it right. So establishing that price has to be based on what other boats have sold for in the last couple of years and then also what current boats are on the market. You know, as a buyer, what you I think you're looking for, if you can find it, is a seller who has unfortunately not been able to succeed through a survey, whatever reason. The boat has already gone through that process. They don't want to do that more than once or twice. They want to get the boat sold, move on to the next phase of their life. Okay, guys. So let's help out our listeners who may be trying to sell their boats. Say I've got a used boat I want to sell. I look at the market and see three other boats just like it out there. How do I make my boat stand out? I think everything comes down to cleanliness. And and as silly as it sounds, and people, there's no such thing as a 
used boat buyer. Everybody out there is a new boat buyer, but they're doing it on a budget. And so the, the cleaner the boat can be and, and not, you know, don't have your wife go through with a bottle of Windex for 30 minutes before showing. We're talking about a full deep cleaning with professional crew, every cabinet, every drawer, every air conditioning filter, you know, the boards and the lazarette, pick those up and clean underneath them. It's a full on project. To yeah, make so a white, boat. the white glove treatment. And I, I would add to that, Kevin, I agree with you 100 percent that everything has to work. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the worst things you can get at a survey is the seller says, oh, that's never happened before. Oh, oh we don't use that. Yeah. Well, the buyer is looking at the spec sheet. It's included on there. You better make sure that's working. Yeah. So when you have it on the market and you've priced it right and it's all cleaned up, make sure before you get to the survey that every single system has been tested. And if there's a fault or a problem, fix it before the survey because it's going to come up there. It's going to cost you more. And it's also going to create some hesitancy and some reluctance for the buyer. If, well, OK, I thought this was all fine. This isn't working. What else doesn't work? So you want to make it as simple and easy as possible. Don't let the uh, those items create doubt and you lose traction and you lose momentum with the buyer. And the, probably the worst thing a seller can say, well, it was that way when I bought it. Because that yeah, means that's that they, and, and, and maybe they've lived for five years without a working item. But there's a lot of trust that the buyer places in the broker when they're listed the boat for sale. They're believing that everything on there is included and that everything works. And I think that you run into some problems sometimes. I've seen this before with the photos. So, you know, everybody's very visually oriented. We do a lot of videos, which we find is a great way to, to, to talk somebody through the boat. But photos oftentimes are not current. On our listings, we like to put photos taken, you know, in this time period. Now, the owner will supply the beauty shots, the, the boat at anchor underway, but the the details of the interior and the exterior, the crane, the dinghy, all that need to be current. I think they should be dated. I called a guy on a boat one time before my client and I traveled, and I said, this boat looks really clean. Are these photos current? He said, no, they're five years old. I said, well, what is going on? Why are you showing five-year-old? Well, we haven't gotten down to the boat to take the current photos yet. I said, well, we're not coming down. But he's, oh no, it's really in bad shape right now. Those photos were just what it looked like when the guy bought it. So you shouldn't have to ask that kind of question, but you, you, you have to. I mean, you have to know what you're getting into. The takeaway I'm getting here is, is that when you're trying to sell your boat, sometimes the last thing you want to do is write more checks to sell your boat, but it's important to get that boat ready to sell. Write those, you know, a few extra checks, get the boat ship shape where she needs to be. And that's going to help them sell the boats and help you guys do your jobs to sell it for them, right? You'll, you'll get that money back and, and then some. Better to spend it up front than yeah. to be negotiating it as a reduction in the price later for a survey correction. On the buying side of things, a lot has changed in the last several years from the way we find the boats that appeal to us to the way we ultimately go about buying once we've found the perfect boat for our needs. What does the trawler buyer's market look like today? And what, if any, trends are you seeing? I find that our buyers do their research. Actually, the, our, our buyers in general step out of the car when they're there to look at boats for the first time. And they say, I'm not like everybody. I do my research. And we just kind of chuckle and we go, OK, you're just like all of our buyers. <laughs> yeah, that's, right? that's a and, good buyer. And they, um, and they take a long time. They've got a long range plan. It's not unusual to have somebody come in the door five years before they're ready to buy a boat and continue to visit, look at boats, build their knowledge base, whether it's trawler fest events, reading magazines, listening to podcasts, they're building that knowledge base for when it's time to actually buy the boat. Now, people are researching on blogs, they're doing all kinds of studying, they're talking to other owners, going to a boatyard and seeing boats out of the water. I mean, you can't just walk into a boatyard, but if you're with a broker, see, hey, what's a stabilizer look like? What's the rudder look like? Look at this is a three blade propeller versus a five blade propeller. Uh, thrusters, there's a lot of things that you don't see 
when the boats are in the water that you can see at a yard. But the buyers are incredibly informed, oftentimes no more than the broker about the boats. Now, Burr is an exceptional situation because these guys just eat and breathe Flemings and they know them inside out. Uh, the other trawler markets, there's so many different variables. I mean, one of the questions that came up earlier, is it a buyer's or a seller's market? I don't think there's a lot of good inventory right now. There's just not a lot of options for what you want to buy. And we're finding that in our world, which is more the you know full displacement, long range boats, that we often know of somebody who has had the boat for a couple of years, they're maybe thinking about getting out and we have somebody who wants that model. The boat has not been formally listed for sale and we'll approach them and say, hey, I've got somebody who's looking for a boat like yours. If you'd ever consider selling, we might have somebody. Now the buyer is probably gonna pay a premium for that because they're not competing in an open market with other boats that are out there, but it's a pretty cool deal to be able to connect a buyer and a seller and if you're not working with a broker who can do that, you miss out on a lot of things and you get frustrated. So it, it's a it's a different dynamic with the Internet. It's really changed a lot of the whole shopping process. There's a lot of uh, stuff people have gotten accustomed to buying online and, you know, click it, buy it now. It shows up. A boat is not one of those items. Right. It really takes talking to uh, people who are experienced, whether they're boat owners or brokers, and then getting aboard boats and the more boats they see. Uh, the way I see it is the more boats I can get a buyer to, to come and walk through and see, the easier the actual sale is, whether that sale is next week or next year or five years from now. And, you know, Kevin and I don't really sell anything. We connect a buyer and a seller, you know, to a boat. We're not, when you're selling something, it's sometimes something people don't want. These people want these things. We're helping to educate them, inform them to, to make the best decision on what is, and I'm going to let the secret out, boats don't hold their value. They, they typically depreciate. Now, the Flemings do a very good job <laughs> of holding their value. What? Yeah, no, but, uh, but you're doing it for the experience, for the lifestyle, for the memories. There's no better value than the experience of owning a boat. But from a portfolio standpoint, it's maybe not your smartest decision. Okay, sorry, other brokers, but I'm just going to let that out there. Well, no, it's important. I mean, let's face it. Buying a boat is one of the most emotional, I think, decisions you can make, right? Yeah. Um, you know, all the bells and whistles the boat has. You do the walkthrough, everything seems perfect. You like the broker involved, you like the people involved, but you really have to feel something a little bit extra to make you really pull the trigger on some of these boats, right? It's a, it's from well, the heart. You're, you're talking about the walkthrough. So when you are going to buy a boat, a, buy a trawler, you know, you get with Kevin, he shows you some boats, you're going to make an offer, an informed decision, having seen it. I think most sellers are, are happier to work with a buyer who's actually spent the time to see what they're getting, but you don't know how loud it is. How, you know, what, what works, what doesn't work. You just know cosmetically that this appeals to you, that I use the expression, you try it on for size. Yeah, we fit, we like it. It's got the number of heads and staterooms that we want, but we don't know if it's going to be quiet, loud. Easy move to around handle. A lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's the, the sea trial or underway demonstration process, which is typically an hour or two. I mean, you, everybody wants to go out for a three-day trial on a Nordavn in 80-foot seas and 500-knot winds. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, it's Not typically, everybody. well, <laughs> go ahead. Okay. but they want to know that the boat can handle it. And believe me, the boat can always handle it. The, the contents inside may be shaken or stirred, but, uh, but you don't get a lot of actual underway. I mean, you would not buy a car without driving it. You wouldn't buy a house probably without going through it. And a boat, you wouldn't want to buy it without taking it underway, but it is a very small, short trial run typically. Well, and that's one of the things that we'll do different in the Fleming world is that uh, Buryats will take somebody out for a, a sea trial, even if it's, um, you know, if I can get a heads up that they're going to come and visit us and I've got a boat that has to go out for a service run or we, we're shuffling boats around and and uh, let's take them out and let's show them. That's great. It might not be yeah. the boat that they're going to 
that a boat that's for sale, it might not be a boat that they're actually uh, seriously looking at because they're they're looking down the road. But we'll at least try and get them underway and 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 set the bar for how a boat should sound, how it should feel, how it should handle. Um, it's part of building that it's, knowledge. It's base. part of building that knowledge base. And, yeah. and uh, I was trying to explain to a, a non-boating friend one day what I do. And I, I basically came up with I'm in technical sales. And I spend most of my time explaining systems, pointing out backup systems, explaining construction details, all stuff that I had uh, very little knowledge on, you know, years ago when I was just driving boats around. But stuff I've had to learn through basically hanging out in boatyards. You know, you spend a lot of time looking at stuff that's that's uh, uh, broken or being repaired in, in a boatyard. And you really start to understand the importance of the way boats get put together and the selection of equipment and There's the way it's installed. And what service absolutely. are needed. And, yeah. it, it's, it's really interesting though that you, if we had people who wanted to go for boat rides come to us all the time, we wouldn't be selling any boats because why you wouldn't need to own a boat. You'd be you running a charter operation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and chartering would be, trying before you buying is something that's very difficult to do in this market. Mm-hmm. There just aren't that many. So I applaud Bury Yacht Sales and Kevin for doing that, getting people on there. A lot of the builders here who are, are representing boats at the Trawler Fest move in. They come from a different location. They'll have their hot prospects or their key potential buyers join them. It's still another short ride, but you're, at least you get a feel for it. And then it's the best thing you can possibly do is get on that boat ride because it's just a convincer. So we love doing it, but we can't take everybody out for a sea trial because we'd just be in the boat ride business. I, I would imagine too that it is part of that relationship nurturing. You, I mean, the time you spend with somebody in a at a restaurant or a bar or in a boardroom is that's time spent. But the time you spend with somebody on a boat can typically be some of the best, most enjoyable time and getting to know folks and find out a little bit what they're looking for. That's that's part of that. I would experience. say that's right, a lead into the relationship side of the business. And Burry Yacht Sales creates customers for life. People, you know, you do a good job selling the boat and when they're done with the boat, they'll come to you and say, hey, you took care of us, now take care of us selling it. And that relationship is so important. And as a buyer, you don't know which broker you should necessarily work with. Now you get with Burr, again, they have a unique situation. There's not one guy, everybody's on a team which is, I think, unprecedented yeah. in our business. Yeah, I've not uh, heard of other no, organizations it's, it's, like it's that. No, it's great. There's but. no commission sales driving the decision. And so many brokers try to put a potential client into that particular listing instead of listening to how they're going to use the boat, what they want. When I was at Nordhaven, where I spent 14 years, I would often tell people, you know, the Nordhaven is a great boat, but it's really more boat than what you need. You should be looking at it and fill in the blank. I don't want to mention any names. and But then I wouldn't help them buy that boat because I was so focused on the Nordhaven. So, you really need to try to find somebody who you trust, who is going to listen to you and be your advocate to do that. And I, and I think you can talk to anybody at Burr when you're looking at the other brokerage companies, you need to find a, a good connection. You want to have a good fit, someone who's listening to you and will help guide you to the right thing and and not just try to make the quick buck. You know, it's it's interesting. We um, at, at uh, Passage Maker, we do a lot of research and, and we talk to a lot of people and uh, we did a, a research project for a builder say is unnamed. Uh, oh, I know those guys. Yeah, Kevin and, and, and those yes. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a builder. And we were looking at what is it, how, how do people make the buying decisions? Because obviously they want to market the right message to the right person sure. so they can sell their sell these boats. And they they didn't realize at the beginning of the study and kind of overlooked a group of people that were the most influential on that boat purchase. It wasn't the wife. It wasn't the captain. It was the broker that's selling the boat that they currently have. And the, oh, so they can yeah. move that on. And get right. yeah. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. it was like, hey, there's somebody that needs to be really targeted to to educate and inform because 
because that owner is relying on that trusted broker that they've had a relationship with for a long time. And I think that plays yeah. into the relationship, um, the points you brought up about relationships. Okay. Let's change the subject a little bit. Uh, what advice would you give to the owner of an older boat? Uh, we're, we see it all the time. You know, say you have a classic Grand Banks 36 and it, you know she's very, very old. She probably needs some work, but you've got to sell. What, what's the first advice you give to someone that comes up with that sort of, whether it's a trade-in or whether it's a, uh, a flat-out sell? I, I look at every older boat as, as a lot of potential. You know, I'll see just walking around a marina in general and it doesn't we don't have to talk just Fleming, but i'll see an older boat sitting there and i and i can picture what it could look like if i just had enough time to to get in and do some projects and and turn some screwdrivers and chisel off an old teak deck or something and 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 so i, I see potential in all those older boats and i think that a seller of an older boat needs to number one clean it it's not going to fix uh, major issues on the boat, but you know, somebody walks in and the thing smells like Clorox wipes instead of smelling like old, dirty bilge water. It changes their their mindset on it. You know, a boat when it's you first don't want shown, a lot of those pine cone car scent things. To yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's sort of a clue. <laughs> yeah. But but you 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 know you uh, just go through it. You know, nobody nobody values your collection of thirty years of used impellers filling up your your drawer in the stateroom. No, nobody wants, you know, an entire drawer full of bread twist tie wraps. Get all that junk off the boat. Get everything off of there except for a set of flares and some tools and whatever spare parts that aren't used spare parts. I used to tell people that I didn't really want them to consider buying a boat that was going to be 20 years old when, when they went to resell it. And I would say the average trawler owner keeps their boat for about five years. Now, some people it's a lot longer, some people less, but that's just a rule of thumb. So if you bought a boat that was 15 years old, when you went to sell it, it would be 20 years old. And so I would try to guide them to a newer boat. Everybody wants the last year's model at a mm -hmm. 10-year-old price. I, I, so do I, but that just doesn't exist. I now think that the age is not as important. Now, if you're going to finance it, there may be limitations on a 20-year-old boat or a 30-year-old boat, but the condition of the boat, back to what Kevin's saying, is so much more important. I've seen five-year-old boats that look like 20-year-old boats and 20-year-old boats that look like five-year-old boats. So if the owner, the seller has taken care of the boat, the boat works, it's clean, it smells good, the bright works, shiny, that is a boat that's attractive to a buyer. And a boat that is a, a restoration or a, or a you know resurrection is not something that most people really want to spend the time or money because you don't know how long it's going to take you to fix it or how much money it's going to cost. And, and if you know there's a major project you have to get done, you you, you know that there's a, an engine issue that you're just not willing to get in and get it fixed, or you, you know that the teak decks have to get peeled off, get get some estimates on it. Yeah. Be able to go to that buyer with you know knowledge in hand to say, hey, I'm aware of this. Here's what it's going to cost. Here's who said they can do it. And uh, sell the boat with knowledge. I mean, buyers. So you're, so you're, yeah. you're prepping. You're bringing that knowledge to the table as as, as a seller. As a seller. Yeah. yeah. So that when this comes up, and you can say, mm -hmm. "We've already yeah. figured this out for you," and, and, and you're doing. We don't have the time or the resources. Mm -hmm. We, you know, but we're you, selling. Do you find the that shortens the 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 cycle. Well, you're, or does you're it just make take, the, the buyer feel more comfortable. Take away the unknown. You know, the, the buyer's walking up looking for all the unknown things, trying to uncover and peel back the layers of the onion, looking for, you know, what, where the problem is. And if you can just approach them and say, hey, here, I've had this boat for five years or 10 years. Here's the problems and here's what it yeah. would cost to do it. I've run out of time, energy, money, whatever the situation is. And, you know, and 
that that's the best chance of success, I think, with an older boat. You don't want to have it's any surprises. Point. It's a really great point. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. want to have any secrets. We actually fill out a disclosure form when we list a boat for sale. I want to know what's going on. And we'll ask, has it ever been uh, struck struck by lightning or had a fire on it or had a major grounding or any insurance claims or engine rework? I want to know that when I have a key buyer, I have this disclosure form I can present to them and say, this is what the seller signed when we listed it. And when we write up an offer, we have a disclosure form. We want to know some of these same things. It's it's a, unfortunately, our business is not as sophisticated as real estate. Uh, residential real estate is probably the closest model to buying an expensive asset, but you need a house. And I'm not going to beat it too hard on that, but you really don't need a trawler. You should, you should buy a Fleming. But other than that. Can we edit that out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll fix it. Yeah. But I, I think that you need to understand, and if somebody is being straight and honest and are not sweeping things under the rug or, or hiding things, it's a much more positive uh, transaction for everybody. There's just, you know, there's nothing hidden. Where are we headed? Uh, what's the future of, of, of boat buying? Are there any industry trends that are maybe concerning to you or, or exciting to you? Uh, you know, with the advent of all this new technology at our disposal, you know, where's it all headed? What, is, what does boat buying look like in 2030? Oh boy, I don't know. With self-driving cars, we're gonna have self-driving <laughs> boats. You're gonna be up sitting there on your computer at home, watching your boat go across the Pacific, uh, taking videos for you. I, I don't know, I don't want, I mean, the whole experience is being there and doing it yourself. And there's a window of time, which may be 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, or five years, where you have the time, health, and money to be able to go do this, you kind of get in there and do it. And I've had a number of people, I'm sure Kevin has too, we've been doing this a long time, who said, you know, when I first talked to you 20 years ago, that's when I showed up about the boat. Now I'm 85 or 95 and I just, you know, it's, I don't have yeah. the, 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 the mental acuity or the physical stamina to be able to do this anymore. So there's no right time to do anything. You either do it or you regret it. And so I, I would say, as Nike does, just do it. I guess the bigger question too is with, with an industry that's so closely related to relationships between you and, and the buyer seller um, with technology, making things maybe sometimes a little less personal, you know, how do you, how are you going to compete with that? How do you keep those relationships with the, uh, you know, with well, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Kevin, I'm jumping here, but I, I don't, I don't see trawler sales as being a commoditized uh, process. Like so many of the other things are, there is so much product knowledge needed so many details, all the systems. Kevin's talking about they're training people on the systems and what works. What there's a lot of stuff going on on a trawler that you people don't. They want to get a good deal. Everybody wants a good deal, but but do you want the lowest price and then here's the keys figured out on your own, or do you want to have the resources of a company behind it and people who understand it helping you get it? And there's a the community's fantastic. It doesn't matter what brand boat you have. When you're out in an anchorage and you've got a problem with something on your boat. Any of those other cruisers out there has been in the same situation, literally in the same boat, they'll come over and help you. That teamwork, it's just a completely unique lifestyle that we are fortunate enough to be involved with that I don't see that being a, you know, Amazon, they're just not going to focus on that. I mean, maybe way, way down the line, every market gets segmented. I mean, what happened to record stores and, and videos, you know, all that travel agents. I don't, I think that yacht brokers, if you are actually explaining, educating, informing the buyers, there's always going to be a need for that. It's a specialized product. So you've, you both have had so many transactions in your careers doing this. Um, is there one particular transaction that maybe stands out as particularly special or uh, an experience you had with a client that, that really meant so much more than just buying a boat or selling a boat? 
I mean, we, we do a very, ex- we, we spend a lot of time with customers as they're looking at boats, but we do a very extensive hands-on training afterwards. And that's usually where I really get to, to know a customer because you see them uh, maybe at their best because they're excited and you see them at their worst because they're completely stressed out over what they've, what they've done, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and we'll sit there and we'll, we'll do hands-on docking. We, we usually, Furry Yacht Sales will spend about seven days to seven to 10 days with a customer after the sale of the boat trying to get them up to speed. Everything they might have known about their old boat, how the holding tank works, where the breakers are, all that kind of stuff. We'll bring them up to speed, handling the boat, docking. Uh, the first thing I like to do is take the, 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 the part of the couple that normally doesn't touch the controls, the wife, and say, here, let's Cross let's random. learn yeah. let's learn how to drive this boat. And uh, a lot of times, Mister Know It All can stand a few feet behind me and listen to the basics, and occasionally see that light bulb go off on his head where he goes, "Oh, that's why that always happened." <laughs> but uh, so we'll 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 spend all that time with customers. But going into the boat buying buying process, I have to always sort of remind myself that it's it's it might be their first time, say, going around the game board. I don't get to go from start to finish immediately. I've got to go through the whole process with them. And and in that process, they're usually very uh, stressed out about a lot of stuff and they'll miss. We might spend an entire day. There's one couple we spent the whole day looking at a boat they were going to buy. We looked at a bunch of Flemings that day. We, We end up spending a lot of time on the boat. They finally settle on. They fly home to Chicago. And the next morning, uh, I get a, a call, you know, right off the bat, and she is very nervous that uh, she looked at the pictures and there was um, the the seller had actually sort of draped, put the pillows on the settee and draped a, a, a blanket kind of artfully across it. And so after spending an entire day on the boat, she flies home and she lays awake at night thinking that that in that picture that was hiding maybe a, a cigar burn or something in the, in the settee. Wow. And, and I, and I just realized that that level at that point, you know, we had, they had consumed so much information the day before that something that simple was what was sticking in their mind. And that had her up all, all night. It's, you know, going into a survey, I always figured that somebody probably stayed awake half the night wondering what they're going to find on the survey. And they, they come in and, you know, you can talk about a hundred things and maybe at the end of the day, they remember 50 of them and the other 50 are still question marks. Because they just can't consume that much information. And, and so. you know, kind of going back to what Andrew was asking about, I don't, you can't really have a favorite experience. It's just like having a favorite kid. I mean, you love them all for the, every experience, everything is fun. Even I, the knuckleheads. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the entertainment part of it. I mean, that's fun. Wait, Kevin, tell us about the knuckleheads. I'm yeah, I, I would say, though, that one of my proudest sales was working with Eric and Christy Grab, who are a young couple in their 30s. Um, he was in technology, she was in mortgage banking, and they bought a Nordhaven 43 to circumnavigate without any real background in circumnavigating. And uh, a couple years later, they'd completed a circumnavigation. So to watch them go through the, the process of deciding they wanted a Nordhaven, getting a Nordhaven 43, learning how to operate it. They were very book smart, but they hadn't done a lot of offshore training. We actually did a 90 day run nonstop through the night just so they could get a feel. They were gonna go from San Diego to the Marquesas and they hadn't done one overnight passage yet. So I said, whoa, 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 we got to get together and go do that. The training, the time on board is kind of the reward for us. I mean, we don't necessarily get paid for that. You you close the deal and that's when you get paid. But uh, we do the same. Not, not, not as extensive as you guys, I don't think. But we like to spend time with the clients after they bought the boat. And that's when you get to know them better. All the negotiating stuff's back behind you. It's theirs. Now... How do, you, how do you operate it? So we just find that if we come back a couple weeks later, they figured out most of the household items and we say, all right, we've blocked off three days, five days, whatever it is. 
What are you least comfortable with? What are you intimidated with? Do you want to do an overnight trip? Do you want to practice anchoring? Do you want to practice docking? And so they've gotten a chance to get a feel for the boat. And then we come in and say, all right, we want you to know everything and, and you know, get you up to speed on the things that you're least comfortable with. So that, that I think is an important thing to be able to, to finish up. It's not just selling the boat, it's making sure that they're enjoying it and using it. And that service after the sale, my, my assumption, my guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but that service after the sale probably has a lot to do with the fact that you probably were involved with the sale of that boat where you did the 90 day. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. People, people want to, you know, they want their, it's an experience, it's a lifestyle. And so they buy this boat, they want to know how to use it. I don't want them to be sitting at the dock making everything perfect. I mean, we tell people try to leave the dock every day. I mean, if the boat's not ready, you can't, but you can make all the cushions perfect. You can have the forks exactly lined up, but if you're not leaving the dock and running, you're gonna say, wow, we've owned this boat for six months. We don't know how to leave the dock or anchored and they're gonna sell it. And that's not what we want. And we all know that they don't get old, boats don't get old uh, from being used. They, they get old when they sit. They get old when they're yeah. not. We, we want customers to be comfortable. And if they're comfortable, this is sort of going back to what you were talking about. If a customer is comfortable and they're leaving the dock and they're using the boat, they're gonna be your next best salesperson. Any, really anybody they, they talk to, you know, they're not gonna say, oh yeah, we're a little overwhelmed with this thing. We're not going anywhere lately. Yeah, you don't versus, oh yeah, we're having a great time with this boat. Yeah. You know, we, we're really, and, and that's the, the customer on the dock is your best salesperson. Jeff, Kevin, I wanna thank you for being here with us on Trawler Talk today. Yeah, thank no, you. That's fine, yeah, Eric, yeah. thank you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Wow, so a lot of good information there. I hope you found this useful for wherever you might be in the boat ownership process. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your cruising needs, you can get your daily dose of Trawler's Zen at PassageMaker.com. For Trawler Talk and PassageMaker Magazine, I'm Andrew Parkinson.